Thoth's Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Friends and listeners, welcome to a new episode, episode number two of season seven of the Thought Hermes podcast. My name is Rudolf and as always, I am your host here. I'm speaking to you to the of the outskirts of the lovely city of Vienna, Austria's beautiful capital. And well, today in that respect, uh, this is a particular episode, you're going to hear it. Um, somehow it has happened, it wasn't really planned actually like that, that this has become a fully Austrian episode. Of course, uh, my guest today, that was planned, uh, is from Austria, Bernhard Reicher. I will tell you more about him in just a minute when we approach the interview. And as it happened, just a few days before uh, I interviewed Bernhard and uh, was finishing to produce this show, I got uh, contacted by one of our listeners. And well, first of all, that listener was from Vienna, which already is a surprise because um, I have asked several times here that people from Vienna and surroundings in Austria here should manifest themselves. It would be nice to know your audience that lives close here. So this is still an open request. If you live in Austria, live nearby here, it would be nice to get to know you and to hear from you. Uh, well, Alex, that's his name, Alex, he came up and he said, well, hey, hello, I love your show. I live in Vienna. And uh, by the way, I'm also a singer in a band, a local band here. I said, hey, why don't you give me your music? And we play that music on the show. And he talked to the band, it's actually two bands, one that has stopped existing and his new band um, and they agreed and so we are now playing not only an Austrian interview but even Austrian music um, not Mozart it's completely different and no worries also the interview it is not in German you're gonna understand everything it is in English as always so welcome to the Thought Hermes podcast here today and um, today is Sunday, August 29. As always, I'm very happy to have you here with me on the show. And uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. It's great to have you here. If you are a returning customer, so to speak, it's lovely to see you back here. Okay, um, I just want to remind you two things as every week. Uh, sorry about that, but I need to do it because there are always new listeners and that's great. So if you want to know more about this show, go to our website on thoughthermes.com, T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com. And you can find all the details about the show, about all the pre uh, previous shows, all six seasons that we have done so far, almost 100 shows. You find the show notes, the shows themselves and everything. And you can leave me messages there. Please do so. Come to me. Every week now I get a few and it's always very nice to be in touch with you guys. And normally I always reply to those messages. I hope uh, you're not one of those who I missed 
sorry about that if it happened but normally i try to respond so go there send me a message from the communications page there also send me a voicemail if you want or just a simple email info at dothermes.com that's very easy you can go on facebook or twitter as well to do that and while you're you know what's coming now while you're on the website you'll find that patreon button there um, thanks to all of you who are supporting this podcast and thanks to all of you who are going to support this podcast we are gonna need you we need you there will be a kind of a a few news in the next upcoming weeks i will send an email to the patrons maybe in a week or 10 days from today with some announcements what they will have as new specialities just for patrons just for you patreon supporters and um, i think that's going to be exciting for you so hurry up um, become a patron and you will also be able to get those goodies i don't say more for the moment but it will be nice i'm sure right and if you want to do just a one-off donation that's of course possible too there is a donation button on the website and otherwise go to patreon via our website and become a supporting customer thank you so much right okay enough talk about that so we start with the first piece of music and the first um, piece of music actually i told you it's two bands that are performing here today um both Alex, our customer, our listener here, has been part of it and uh, as a singer. The first band, which is the band that apparently has ceased existing already, um, because now they have the second one, but that first band is called Iron Heel. And um, it's a doom metal band in which Alex was a singer. And um, now he, this, this first band... Um, will they're in the same composition the two bands they 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 have performed and recorded a song which i think is a perfect fit for here today it's called well witches at war witches is the perfect the perfect fit of course um, witches at war that sounds great and we are going to listen to that number now iron heel from austria doom metal band from austria with our customer our listener our uh, supporter here, Alex, who is the singer of that band, and we are listening to Witches at War. Enjoy! <laughs>
Witches at War by the band Iron Heel from Austria. Okay, and uh, well, I am Austrian as well, and our guest here today, Bernhard Reicher, is Austrian as well. He is from the lovely city of Graz, which is a city in the south of Austria, the second largest city after Vienna in the country. Bernhard, he is an occultist, he is an animist, as he will explain you himself. He is a storyteller and stories are probably the most important uh, part and link to his magic. And that's why this show is also subtitled Stories of Magic. Bernhard is also co-hosting a YouTube channel, which is called Reicher and Stark with his colleague and friend Rudolf Stark. They have created a channel. Unfortunately, it is in German, unfortunately for you guys, because I guess most of you do not speak German. If you do, you have to go there because it's a highly interesting channel on magic and all things related to. Um, Bernhard is also the founder of a school of magic called Magie Schule, that's school of magic in German, simply. He teaches magic in online courses and live seminars. And um, well, as he grew up in quite a strong family tradition, he's going to tell us much about that in the interview. That's quite interesting because it's for me here in Austria, it's quite a, he's quite a unique guy. I haven't met many people in this country who have that background. It's, uh, it's always, always interesting to meet people like that. And I think Bernhard is a particularly fascinating personality. He's also a writer of short stories and fairy tales mostly, but we do not speak here today about any of his books or so, rather about his opinions about his life and especially about stories of magic. And this is why I'm not going to tell you much more now. I will let Bernhard talk. And um, well, in the middle of the second half of the interview, you'll get a little surprise there. So keep your ears open so that you will get it there. Right. And now for the moment, let's just jump in the middle of the of the action, so to speak. Let's go to the south of Austria. Let's go to Graz and let's meet Bernhard Reicher. Here comes the interview. Well, this is a very special moment for me here on the Thoughts Hermes podcast, because believe it or not, you dear listeners, this is the first time I have an Austrian guest here from my home country here on the show, which also shows you why I started this podcast in the first place, because hmm, I thought the Austrian scene needs to be a bit uh, uh, more made more vivid. Well, so far we haven't had many Austrians here. The first one here today, and I'm very happy to have Bernhard Reicher with me here on the phone and uh, on Thought Hermes. Good evening, Bernhard. It's great to have you here. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me, Rudolf. Um, it's a pleasure. Well, for me too. And, you know, it's always very funny. We just said that before we started the interview, we, of course, normally speak in our native language, German, and it's weird to speak in English to each other, but I think we'll manage, won't we? <laughs> I'm sure of it. It's um, quite new. Um, I, I do several talks in English, but uh, never to a fellow Austrian. So... Uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, conversation. An interesting and uh, new surprise. Um, 
Well, um, Bernhard, I think I'll start where we started because we met, uh, well, a few years ago on the phone, actually, at the first time. Uh, we met because um, yeah. uh, you are also a publisher. And then you published a magazine on weird fiction with content, weird fiction stories. And um, of course, um, uh, one of our subjects here today, because storytelling is a big part of your magic in general, I may say as much already, um, is also mm. what you think about um, fiction, weird fiction, being part of the magical community, being part of the occult community, how that fits together. Maybe we should start there before we start then with your life and your background. But um, so as we met through that weird fiction, we had Richard Gavin, for example, here on the show a, a few weeks ago. How would yeah, you great. how would you define weird fiction first and in what way is it <laughs> let's start with the, with the easy questions shall we <laughs> um, and in what way would you define the link to the occult world and occult culture maybe in general uh, yeah you know weird fiction is very hard to define uh, for me um, you know it when you see it but it's it kind of elopes any precise definition uh, as far as I'm able to express it in words. It's got a lot to do with atmosphere. Um, and there's always this notion of being touched by something otherworldly, something numinous and it you know it, it has similarities to horror and ghost stories which i loved when i grew up it it also touches maybe fantasy it has aspects of some science fictions but it's not a mix of them it's something on its own it's like like magic that um is like a synthesis of science and spirituality and um art but it's something for itself and weird fiction for me is like this um it it uh overlaps into several other genres but there's this very special feeling that only weird fiction has baked within itself, I, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and, and for me, this feeling is the most, it, it has it, closeness to what I feel when I'm doing ritual when when i experience magic it's like this overlapping thing again this crossing a threshold into another world or being touched by this other world and and um yeah so it's a portal and by writing fiction especially weird fiction it's like being part of um, this other world, 
or being an instrument of the other world and bringing something of that into our reality. I don't know if this makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense. Uh, in a way, it feels to me almost like a definition of arts itself. Performing arts, writing, even visual art is creating yeah. a world of itself, bringing something from the other world into our lives, isn't it? Yeah, and changing our consciousness by doing it and receiving it, experiencing it. It's like Alan Moore told famously, magic is art. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And there we are. And I, I often hear that from guests we have here also who are maybe in the first place magicians, but they also do uh, music. They also do painting maybe, and they kind of have a link between the two. And you uh, are one of those who with writing and with the word is uh, practicing a lot of, of his magic, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So writing and uh, storytelling is, um, I experienced from a very young age, uh, a way of participating in this um, super real, in this kind of, um, I, I always experienced it as a reality, uh, penetrating our physical reality and it was so interesting to me as a child I, I wanted to be a part of it and the way I found that I could do this was by telling stories by enacting them and by writing them mm -hmm. well now we are have arrived in your childhood that uh, was a perfect link over there so tell us more about that um, i think uh, i read somewhere that your grandfather um, had a big influence on you as a child regarding magic and regarding the approach to the world in a way that made it magical to you absolutely he was i i'm sure my most important mentor um so he's he was the son of a Yeah, I don't know if you could call it a, a cunning woman, but a herbalist for sure. Um, so this goes back several generations. My, my great grandmother, um, I can trace it back to her, but I've got the impression that it goes further back. Mm -hmm. Um, she, she was, you know, she, she knew everything about herbs and, um, Like, like it, it, it was sort of a, she, she was this kind of person uh, people came to, to get special advice, to get, to get maybe healed or, or uh, to have a prayer set for them, something like this. I, I, th maybe you could call it a cunning woman. And, uh, um, my grandfather was influenced by this. Uh, she had a, a grimoire and he always wanted to to have this he, he didn't get it because uh when when she died uh he was in in russia uh he was a soldier in the war, in the war. and um before he could get uh, his hands on it the, the priest burned it really um but 
Yeah, uh, that's that's a, a whole story to tell because uh, when when he he came back, uh, uh, the priest said, "No, no, there, there was nothing there." You know, um, uh, she was a very poor woman, and um, my grandfather was her illegitimate son, uh, and that in the in the nineteen twenties, that was, um, you know, he didn't yeah, have so. much, and and uh, he he never wanted. Uh, yeah, anything that that uh, she would have um, left him, but, but this book, and and the priest denied that there was a book, and so my my grandfather uh, pulled out his his gun and set it on the chest of the priest and said, you know, it's war. <laughs> I don't care. And then the priest uh, admitted that, uh, of course, it was a book of the devil and he had burned it. Okay. So wow. I grew up mm -hmm. with this kind of antinomism and uh, um, this interest in, in magic stuff since I was born. And my, my grandfather passed it on to my mother and, and to me. And um, we... We did lots of, you know, uh, walkings in the, in the woods. I grew up in, in Upper Styria and there's not much to do, you know. There, was, <laughs> there are woods everywhere and not much else. A little mountainous uh, but, area, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And um, I, I was a weird kid, I think. Uh, I didn't get along quite well with the others. Uh, mm -hmm. I was only interested in, in reading and uh, watching television because those were interesting stories. And uh, I wanted to, to go out in the woods to meet the, the gnomes because my grandfather showed me where they lived out there in the woods. And uh, uh, so I, I was always um, playing games that involved uh, magical beings or mythological events uh, I was very interested in. And I always, um, yeah, talked with, with the adults uh, when I didn't read. So I was very, um, very much living in, in my own inner mm -hmm. worlds, yeah. so to speak. And, uh, yeah, um, from a very early age on, he, he gave me books about magic and the occult. And, uh, I learned, uh, to do hypnosis when I was 14, I think. Uh, and, and I, I got all of that from, from my grandfather, but also my, my grandmother was very important because, um, she she told me other stories. My grandfather told me stories about, you know, this magical beings and occult knowledge um, and, and yeah, uh, healing herbs and so on. And his stories of the, the war. And he had, I think, three near-death experiences. And, and so all of that was very natural to me. I, I grew up with talking about uh, these topics like others would grow up talking about soccer or something mm -hmm. like that. And uh, for me, all, all of these were stories. And of course, they, uh, they were true because stories are true. And the other stories uh, my grandmother told me were fairy tales. 
Um, they were from an old book that uh, belonged to my mother as a child. And uh, my parents were at work when I was little and my, my grandfather worked. So I was alone with my little brother and my grandmother. And while she was doing the chores, uh, she always found the time to read me a fairy tale from this old Brothers Grimm book. And every day she uh, read a fairy tale to me and then we retold it in in our own words and then yeah. we enacted it. We, we played it oh, really? um, every day until the, the, the whole book was finished and then I wanted more of course and uh, she had to invent fairy stories for me and we uh, retold them and enacted them as well so this was very I, I, I cannot stress how important it was for me sure this sure. being immersed in in stories and and um getting to know the the feeling the the, the power stories have in in our lives and my mother is uh, she's a teacher so uh, also from an early age on she gave me uh, literature to to read uh, and um, I, I read the um, mythology of, of the Greeks when I was I think nine or something like that uh, and and so I got these uh, stories of, of wealth literature and mythology and my dad um, worked in in Canada for three years and uh, did a journey around the world so uh, I grew up with his adventure stories and <laughs> that's uh, that, this formed me this uh, being in a world of, of stories that stories, were so yeah. much more interesting than our mundane reality. Than the actual world. And going back to your grandparents, and I, I don't know, you, you need to tell me, when I hear that, it sounds to me um, almost like what you hear sometimes from people from Wales or from from the Celtic background in, in the United Kingdom, sometimes also in North America, of course, where majority of our listeners here come from. Um, I have rarely heard that same approach to a, it's almost a certain type of traditional witchcraft as it sounds, right? Um, um, uh, yeah. Um, um, have you ever heard of that here in our area in the German speaking country, at least not in Austria? Do you think that your grandparents were very special in that case? Or is there a tradition in the part where you lived um, that, that was more present than through them? Um. I've never heard of any other family tradition, if you will call it that, um, except from from mine. Um, I'm, mm. you know, of course, for me, it it was just my grandparents, uh, sure. and that was just the way uh, we we talked about things. And um, so for me, it was just normal. But as I grew up, I realized how special that was. And uh, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed to have been introduced to magic and the occult this way. Um, and it's, it's funny you mention uh, the Celtic heritage because that's the, you know, 
part of the world or, or this mindset or, or mentality I feel most connected to. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I feel most at home in, in Britain. It's like mm-hmm. uh, I, I recognize the land and even Celtic mythology, it, it speaks to my heart like no other. Interesting. Yeah, there must be some grain he put in your soul there, your grandfather. <laughs> um, it's, um, it also sounds a bit, almost a bit shamanistic in a way, right? What, the, the storytelling and, uh, and the way of approaching the, the world. Maybe I wouldn't dare to use the word shamanistic, but mm. uh, from a technical viewpoint, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The, uh, the 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 um, it, it, you often encounter this the grandparents uh, giving the tradition to the grandchildren like it's uh, true. it's not the the generation after them but the gen- the, the, the grandchildren generations they mm-hmm. bequeath it mm-hmm. to and it's often done in the form of storytelling. So um, I I encountered this and I, I recognize it when I um, when I see it in, in other cultures. Yeah. Yeah. And then little Bernhard grew up and he started to find out that this was something special. Um, how did that happen? You just mentioned it when when later you realized it and and you saw it was very special. Um, how did you start to become interested in, well, let's call it the adult way. It's a stupid thing to say, but you know what I mean? Where, where, where did it lead you and to how did you carry on with it? Yeah. Um, so in, in our family, it was, as I mentioned, very normal to talk about things like life after death or, uh, ghost appearances, UFOs, uh, and, and, all these uh, kinds of stuff, you know, it, uh, uh, also my, my parents were in a, in a group, um, that, that focused on positive thinking, you know, it was the eighties, uh, mm-hmm. uh, all this, uh, stuff like, uh, Joseph Murphy and, uh, Schellbach in, in the German speaking countries and, sure. uh, Erhard Freitag, you, you know, these authors, yeah, uh, they were very popular then. Uh, sort of a uh, new thought way of uh, mm-hmm. um, thinking. And um, whenever I had the opportunity, I joined uh, guests that came to our house uh, to listen to them and to, to talk with them. And so I, I like naturally um, came into these circles that today you would call spiritual or esoteric uh, circles uh, from 12 years on. And uh, they welcomed me. For me, it was very important because, of of course, I was an absolute outsider and uh, I had very few friends, very good friends. And um, but I needed uh people to to talk to seriously and mm-hmm. to um exchange ideas and that took me seriously and so for me it was like uh 
coming home in a, in a sort of way that, uh, to, to recognize this interest in, in the supernatural and, and esoteric stuff and in other people as well. And, um, so I joined uh, several, um, of these spiritual circles and I was treated like, like a child prodigy. Um, I, 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 realize this today being an adult, but for me as a child, it was just, you know, uh, yeah, well, finally, uh, we can, we can talk like normal people. <laughs> <laughs> but, but were you and, in your, in your point of view, were you a child prodigy? Can't say really. Um, Thinking back, I was, of course, uh, too clever for my own good. Very often mm -hmm. I, uh, I got very much satisfaction from being, uh, recognized as this, oh my God, you're so young and you've understood so much. And, uh, sure. uh and, and my, my, my ego grew big, of course, uh, then. Which um, then can get in but, your way necessarily, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I really had some very uh, deep and uh, authentic experiences. I um, I read mystical literature, especially the Tao Te Ching by, by Lao Tse and uh, Meister Eckert was one of my favorites and uh, mm -hmm. Sufi literature. And, and I... I had mystical experiences, you know, I had this, um, dissolving of, of ego and, and being one with everything several times, the Unio Mystica. I, uh, I was just blissed out on that. I, uh, and I trained it. I, I found a certain way of, Uh, entering these states of consciousness uh, via my imagination. Nobody told me that I, I found my own uh, praxis to, to do this. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I practiced for weeks and months to just uh, being able to, to focus my, my mind uh, and, and not let my thoughts wander off. And um, hold these, um, very archetypal images in my mind and mm -hmm. to, to, um, how, how could I put it to, um, be one with them so that there was no me and thou and, and just these, this image and my, my total, uh, experience was being immersed in this kind of things. And that led to, um, these mystical experiences and I was blown away. That, that was what I was reading about. And, uh, so I, I had to, to write it down. That was always a way for me, um, to come to terms with my experiences by, by telling it other people, by telling mm -hmm. my friends, uh, and, and to, to write it down. So, um, It was sort of, uh, it, it was necessary not to, mm. <laughs> to explode, uh, to, to get it out of me in, in a way to externalize it. And, um, yeah, this was my, 
my way of of um, transpa- tra- transform my my inner worlds into the outer world <laughs> by by writing and storytelling and yeah so so we have to um, get into that that storytelling a bit deeper in a moment um let's not forget that because uh, i'm very interested mm-hmm. in following that up also on the interaction between the storyteller in general and the story receiver and and then what that creates but before yeah. we go there let's 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 carry it further on with you because um today uh, you run a german language magical school here in austria in your in your hometown in graz um there are very few of that kind around uh, especially in the german speaking world um mm-hmm. what are you What do you want to transmit there? What's your aim? What uh, it doesn't look to me when I look on the websites or, or that trial lesson that you can download there. It's not like classical schools you would see elsewhere, like those leaflets you get every month. It's it's very different from that. Tell us, d- describe your school. What what does Bernhard Reicher teach, and how does he teach? Yeah, um, so it's called uh, Magie Schule. That's just German for School of Magic. And mm-hmm. it isn't bound to a certain tradition. Um, so I'm not in a coven or an order or a pact or something like that. I've got many uh, friends and, and contacts, but uh, I'm not associated with any of them. And uh, it was important for me to convey magic in a very pragmatic, very um, e- easy, understandable way um, to apply to one's own life. Um, so from the technical point of view, the um, aspect of um, going into the the mechanics or the the techniques of magic you could say it has a certain chaos magic approach but i'm not a chaos magician um but i was influenced by this uh let's stripe away all um you know the the, the big words and just just uh look at how a ritual works uh, mm. and and it, i i want to convey this so that uh, you can um, adapt it into your own life or your own tradition uh, you're you may be already working with or um, develop your own style of magic that's very important for me the autonomy of Mm -hmm. the magician and um, most Courses are online, so you can uh, buy one course, or you can buy a, a package, and um, then you've, you you have them for life, and uh, you can work through them in your own time. You've got uh, uh, their videos, and uh, you've got also the the uh, transcribed text and the audio for different you know learning types. Mm-hmm. Um, But there are also live seminars I do, and um, we've got at the time uh, webinars two times a month um, for 
different topics, beginning from from the absolute basics uh, and illumination work up to um, spirit contact, extrasensory perception, uh, and my my uh, specialty uh, storytelling using the magic of story, mm -hmm. but uh, also yeah if you want to work with with uh your the place you're in that's that's very important for me uh the yes, contact definitely. with with your surroundings with uh the modern human world uh that we inhabit together with um the spirits and uh, the plants and animals and stones and and so on and fungi of course so um to be a good neighbor Uh, uh, that's, that's very, uh, I'm an animist. I, uh, I've always perceived, uh, the world as a living being and, and every, uh, tree I pass as a, a living entity. And, um, I'm not saying that's the absolute truth, just that I perceive it this way. And, uh, I, I'm very open to different approaches or interpretations of magic, like, you know, the psychological model or, uh, uh, other models, uh, Frater UD, uh, famously developed. And I also teach them, but, uh, for me, uh, that's the, the way I live in, in the world and that I try to convey. Uh, that I was going to ask how does that that was the school now that you mentioned right and, and yeah. Yeah. it's very wide and broad and how does that influence your personal being I mean your your day to day life so to speak are you constantly in it or do you have to retire for a ritual to be in it or um, how do you experience <laughs> magic as a as a person That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I coined the, the phrase, the world is magical for our YouTube uh, channel, Reicher and Stark. Mm -hmm. I do together with my mm -hmm. friend and colleague Rudolf Stark. Uh, so, and I mean it, the world is magical. There is nothing uh, I experience that I don't perceive through this magical lens. Um, so being in the world is a form of magic. So now talking to you is a certain kind of magic. Reading is magic, uh, sleeping, dreaming, uh, everything. It's more of a, of a spectrum. Of course, when I have to, uh, do administrative things for my magic school or doing, uh, you know, the, um, Uh, number stuff. Uh, uh, I don't like that. Yeah, sure. uh, uh, but I'm aware that's that's magic as well. I'm just not very good at it. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, when I, when I, I do a ritual, it's more like um, allowing it to enfold. Like I. I Sometimes I prepare myself when I um, know I, there, uh, there has to, to be certain preparations 
like fasting, praying or whatever, or it has to take place on a certain time. Um, but most, uh, times it's spontaneous. It's like I feel the, the urge or I feel inspired to a ritual or some spirit, um, tells me now would be a good time or what, what do you think? Let's work together. And then I sort of tune into that. Um, it's like being an artist, you know, you can't never be not an artist. Yeah, sure. So, so for sure. me, it's, it's like, uh, okay, I have to, or, and I want to, to do a ritual. I want to tell a story. So I, don't know what to do. I just go out of my own way and try to allow it to take me over, I think. So that's, that's it. And then I sort of watch myself from a different perspective, telling a story or doing the ritual or uh, teaching because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher personality. So giving a seminar or uh, something like that is a very strong kind of magic for me. Um, changing my consciousness and the consciousness of the participants and consequently changing their reality. And when it's over, I'm like, whoa, I didn't know uh, what, what I, told them. I, I, I didn't know. I knew it. Uh, it just came out of my mouth. Okay. Now let's take a little break. I didn't announce this break this time because you're all used to that now that in the middle of the interview, I do a little cut and we listen to some music and we do it, of course, here today again. So no, those of you who are new, it's not over yet. All to the contrary. Right, some music. I promised you a second Austrian band with basically the same members like Iron Heel that we heard before and that other band is called Or Grief. And I read you a little bit from their press release, which they have done recently. Enter the dark side of the 1980s. Sounds like desperation and ecstasy, cold synth and driving drums, where Depeche Mode meets the Sisters of Mercy, where synth-pop meets post-punk. The name of the band is a tribute to the British miners who fought the police and the capitalist state in the infamous Battle of Orgrave in 1984. Those hungry ghosts still haunt us. Your nostalgia is a fever dream. Orgrave was founded in Vienna by former members of the band Iron Hill, so Iron Hill that we just heard here before. Right, they are preparing their first physical release, so if you like the music, stay out. This is just the two numbers we're going to hear today from them, um, from their, they, they sent me from, from their online release. And you can find the music on Bandcamp. I will, of course, post the link, as always, in our show notes, so you can get to know more about them. And if you like the music, find all five tracks that I have released so far on Bandcamp. Right. So without further ado, I would like to present you to, band, to, 
not to Bandcamp, to Orgrief, sorry about that. Um, but before that, just let me tell you that right after their piece, which comes now and which is called Disassembly, um, Disassembly, that's the name of the piece, uh, we are going to hear the second part of the interview with that little surprise in the middle of it, as I announced before. And right at the end of the interview, Orgrief will be back with their second uh, with their second uh, uh, piece for today, which is called Dead Chrome. So now all grief with this assembly. Then we go back to meet Bernhard again. And at the end, it's up to all grief again with Dead Chrome. So now enjoy this assembly. I think, um, well, that's my personal opinion. I think um, there are 
there is not one type of magician, right? That would not work because the world of magic needs uh, all kinds of different types. Let's talk some archetypes so that people understand what I mean. But there is, for example, the Gandalf type, like who is also a bit a kind of teacher and the good guy who has to develop himself while he does magic. And there is the Loki type who is more the trickster, the, the guy, but he's just as much a magician as the other one. There is to take the to take the Greek example. There is Pan and there is Hermes, right? There, uh, both in their own ways, are magicians, right? Um, um, Absolutely. Uh, where in in this? I'm not taking those for examples only, but if you had to, to define yourself and your magical <laughs> path, how uh, what archetypal figure as of a magician would you give to yourself? Um, the storyteller, mm -hmm. the, you know, this kind of person who shows up, um, maybe as, uh, the, the old guy opening a book and says, um, let me tell you a story once upon a time, or the guy who shows up at the bar next to you and says, you know, that reminds me of a story. Let me tell you something. Or uh, this uh, teacher that uh, tells a parable. And so for, for me, it's the, the easiest way to get things across is to tell a story. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's what what's the, the easiest way for me. I've got, I've got a bit of a warrior archetype in me. Uh, I, of course we all got every archetypes in us, but well, this course, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is quite strong. And, and my main, uh, God, uh, is, is Pan or, or Canonos or the, the, the horned one, fire, you know, uh, in whichever mm -hmm. form he mm -hmm. appears, the green man. Um, yeah. and, and so sexuality is, is also very important for me as a, an expression of, of my magic and, um, mm -hmm. being, being alone in the woods and, uh, um, being one with, with everything. I think that comes from, from this pan archetype or, or God. Yeah. Um, but that's more, more for, for myself when when uh bringing magic to others it's it's always or most of the times in the form of of story mm -hmm. now we have to, i have to ask that question and now you have to go a bit in depth in that we said we have to not forget that question um what is the relation between the storyteller and the story receiver? Because you don't tell a story just because it's important for you. It is important for you in a way, but um, it only works because there is somebody who listens to you. It's, it's almost like quantum physics. If you have no Absolutely. observer, this, the magic doesn't happen, right? Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So what, what what happens when you tell a story? What happens with the story? What happens with the receiver? Yeah, that's the third entity, the story itself. As an animist, mm. I perceive story as a being as well. Uh, so I, I encounter stories as beings 
that want to be told. So it's mm -hmm. um, a sort of communion um, that takes place whenever there is a story, a storyteller and the listener. And then something happens that you cannot control. And this is, this is the magic that happens mm -hmm. because, um, I, I follow Neil Gaiman when, when saying that in perceiving stories as living beings that procreate within us. So living beings, they, uh, their first interest is to, to survive and, uh, to, to give their information to, to the next generation or to, um, yeah, yeah. So, so there, there are several, um, definitions of what, what being alive means. And you can apply all of these definitions to stories and, uh, we, our minds and our bodies, we are their breeding grounds. So by telling a story, I help stories to go on. Or maybe there are also stories that never have been told. Um, I, I like to uh, improvise and uh, like, you know, improv theater. Uh, you give me some words and I find the story that has never been told so far, but it is already there. And by telling the story, uh, it grows bigger and it conveys its wisdom or, or whatever, uh, its power to, to us, to me as well as the listener. And there are stories we, we know from, from research, some fairy tales are several thousand years old. So these are very old beings. So the oldest story we know of is an Aboriginal story from Australia. Uh, that's, uh, at least 36 or 37,000 years old that has been, mm -hmm. uh, told and retold. So these are, very, very, very powerful beings. And by telling them, I participate in them. It's like, um, like dancing with this being or like, yeah, I, I think communion is, is the best word. It's some, uh, it's something in this world and something transcendental. And mm -hmm. it changes us, you know, the stories are very powerful. They have the power to change society. If you think of the, the stories of Charles Dickens, uh, they changed Victorian society. If you think of, uh, like, um, Harriet Beecher Stowe, her book, um, changed how uh, the, the USA viewed slavery and contributed to uh, the American Civil War. It's just a story. It's a, a fictional story, but stories have the power to, to change our thinking and to change our society. So uh, we, we are touched by them and 
our consciousness is changed. And given that reality is, um, our, our consciousness forms reality, um, it's a perfect magical tool. And, and I can also be used as, as black magic, of course. Yes. Uh, power, it goes in every direction, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, sure, you can, sure, you can, sure. uh, there are, there are very, very toxic narratives going around. And we don't question them because they are so, um, enticing they they uh they lure us in and we feel a, a certain kind of uh safety being with uh, these stories and as every story they want to be told again and retold and so it's absolutely important to decide which stories we give room in our minds and in mm. our hearts I don't know if you listened to that episode here. Well, I hope some of those people who are hearing this uh, have listened to the episode with John Michael Greer a few weeks ago. And uh, of course, he's a great storyteller himself. And um, but he was uh, talking a little bit like you about not so much going into stories as such, but how language and how books and will influence the world. And um, he mentioned, uh, I wonder if you know the book, Jan Kulianu's book, Eros and Magic in in Renaissance and the uh, title no, sounds very that. dry mm. um, and but it talks a lot about that and also about how modern politics uses that facility of storytelling in good and in bad ways to 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 influence the people and he puts that under the label of magic just as you just now did yeah 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 i mean um i loosely define magic as uh, using our natural abilities of consciousness to uh, to change reality um, and whichever technique you use to change your consciousness um, it's up to you but but stories uh, for me the, the the most underlying layer of of reality so um reality is made up of stories and if you use stories you form or maybe create a new reality this is done in in every field like uh in advertising it's obvious you know they tell you a story and uh, you feel good about yeah. it and and you buy a product and uh, there's a big concern that uh, and so on and you, you know that uh, that out of nowhere just following a story yeah. and um, yeah. you ha you can have revolutions based on stories of you course. can have wars based you, on stories you, yes and, and even on wrong stories uh, invented stories that are completely untrue but they create a movement yeah Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, so, so we are stories. I, I uh, have the notion that uh, we, of course, we write stories. Um, we, we can 
change stories by telling them a new story. <laughs> so we, mm -hmm. we've changed mm -hmm. a story of uh, being savage people uh, by, by telling ourselves and the stories a new story. So uh, stories write us as well as we write them. It's like a, an, an endless feedback loop. And as a magician, mm -hmm. you can tune into that and very carefully choose which stories uh, you want to tell yourself and tell others in which way you tell them and uh, maybe uh, little by little change these stories in order to promote a future that's uh, better for, for all of us. Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example of a story that changed you? Hmm. Yeah, there, there are lots of them, of course. Um, but maybe a very practical one, because I know this sounds like a ve very, very metaphysical. Um, <laughs> I, I, I started giving giving seminars when I was 19. Uh, I started a bit earlier, but uh, but then I, I, I started being self-employed and, and so on. And I always struggled uh, having uh, get, getting enough people to attend my seminars. And uh, I, I never had enough money. And it was very, uh, very frustrating and dire. And, uh, and uh, after some years, I realized I was constantly telling myself this story about the, uh, you know, the uh, person no one gets, uh, like, like the artist who is not recognized in his lifetime. And uh, of course, you have to be poor. And then that's, you know, that's a sort of archetype, the, <laughs> uh, the starving artist. And I was, um, yes, yes. I was enacting this story. Um, because I didn't the suffering artist. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and some part of me, some a big part of me liked it because I could tell myself the story. I'm not selling my soul for success. I'm, I'm true to my, Sometimes it's good to feel as a victim, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And <laughs> I, I, I stay true to my ideals and I will not bow to, uh, you know, the like marketing and uh, whatever. And the matrix. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, Of course, uh, I never had enough money. It was, it was logical. The narrative made sense. And then I decided to change this narrative. I was telling myself, uh, and this is not merely working on your belief systems. Uh, that's more than that. It's, uh, it's, it, it goes deeper. I, I, I changed the the story even um, retroactively I I went back in time uh, in, with a special uh, technique I have and I um, I changed some defining moments that shaped 
my story so that they would have a different outcome and I would be a different person. And a few weeks after this, I was, it, it was in the morning, I was in my bathroom, was brushing my teeth and I heard a voice. It was not really, I, I didn't really hear it, but, but it weren't my thoughts. And this voice said, you know, it would be a good idea to go to who wants to be a millionaire. I don't know if, it, uh, in, I think it's called, uh, uh who wants to oh, be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, in, it's in called like, like that in English language, I think, but everybody knows this TV show where you can yeah. have to answer 15 questions to become a millionaire. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. The, the, what's it called? The, the famous movie from India. Everybody has seen that. Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire. Uh, and that's the same show. Exactly. You know, exactly. The world. And, uh, this, this voice was so, uh, clear. It, it was, uh, and it was like, of course, yeah, there was no doubt about it. So I, uh, I called uh, them up and, uh, after a few weeks, I got the call back that, uh, and, and, uh, you, you know, there's a process where they call you several times. And if you pass that, you're in the show and, uh, yeah, then, uh, it, it took its own course and I, uh, came to the last question. Uh, so I nearly got to the million, uh, but I, I, uh, uh, chickened out, uh, at the last moment. Uh, I didn't trust my intuition for, for the million, but <laughs> of course, uh, even the, the step before that was so much money. I could never have uh, of dreamed of that before. And a few months before that, I, I remember I was standing in Graz. I looked in my wallet and all I got was uh, 50 cent. And I told myself, <laughs> I can't even go to McDonald's and buy a burger. That's just crap because that's double the money. I have at my hands uh, and uh, a few uh, months later, there was this huge sum of money. Uh, I, I, it took two weeks. I was in shock. I, I, I had to get used to this new reality uh, and it changed uh, because I changed the story I was telling myself. There's one question I have now. I, I, I think it might be interesting to many of us here. Um, in what way, in your opinion, is um, storytelling in the magical way that you that you define it linked to language? Do you think you as a are you speak English fairly well? Do you think okay. you could also do um, storytelling in English with the same result uh, as in your native language? Or is that linked is language for you linked to, to something else that is magic? Um, English is very close to me. Uh, sometimes it's easier for me to express myself in English and sometimes I'm dreaming in English, but of course it's not my mother tongue. I, um, it depends. I think if I, would have enough time to get used to it or uh, to train myself for telling a certain 
fairy tale, for example, uh, that I've written, then I would be able to convey it uh, like I can convey it speaking German. But of course, I would have to, yeah, I would have to train myself to do this. Um, but English, and that's, that's, that's a funny thing. Many practitioners I talk with uh, tell me doing ritual in English is easier for them. Maybe because it's mm -hmm. kind of exotic. You understand it, but it's not your usual way of thinking. So it uh, okay. supports this this uh, going out of your comfort zone when doing when doing magic because it's a it, bit. It's like different. you would do it in Latin at some point. Yeah, or yeah, so, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah, 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 and yeah, because yeah. spells are um, formulated in a very peculiar kind of way, mm. and, and so on. Mm -hmm. So. Um, But that's just me. I know um, maybe it's different for other people. Um, I I would not be able to improvise stories in English because um, there has to be a sort of rhythm to the story uh, when when you tell it in this kind of sure. you can say bardic way that that. Uh, mm -hmm. takes the listener on, on a journey and I'm grasping for words uh, when I speak English and uh, it interrupts this rhythm. So, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you know what I mean. But, but you think that in general, when you speak a foreign language, well, you can in a foreign language that's not the one that you grew up with, you can convey the same magic in a story in a foreign language. Yeah, yeah. In principle. Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's not bound. So to it's not certain. linked to your sound of your language, right? No, right. no, right. not at all. Not at all. There are, of course, mm -hmm. every language has its, its advantages and disadvantages. Um, of course. Uh, and yeah. you have to... Um, open yourself up to, to the advantages and trust them in, mm -hmm. in this language. So, uh, for example, it's, it's totally different in, in Italian. You know, and, and that's interesting. When, when speaking Italian, uh, I perceive myself as different. Uh, I, I feel the world differently uh, because it has this total different Uh, a sound and uh, uh, my body makes different gestures. Uh, of course, that's <laughs> speaking Italian. Yeah, and, sure. And sure. that's and so yeah. it's the same with French and and so on. Um, so there are, I think, there are certain things that can only be experienced in a certain language, or you have to. <laughs> to speak this language, to fully get it. But in general, um, it's, I think it's possible in, in, any, in any language. Yeah. Okay, friends and listeners, no, this is not the interview. I'll interrupt you a second time here today because we have been talking so much about stories that I think it's about time that Bernhard tells you or shows us one of his stories. There's one collection of stories that he has written, which he composed in English originally. We were just talking about that. 
creating art, creating magic, creating stories in a foreign language. And I think he's brilliant at it. Um, so let's listen to him telling us one story like that, a story with his beautiful voice that I think is nicely haunting and magic. This is from a collection called Stories Some Strangers Told Me in a Bar. The Conjurer. It was not until lately that I summoned the devil. You see, I had to lose so much first. Then finally, that idea dawned on me to meet the devil at the crossroads, as tradition tells us, and to ask him for help. The devil of our folklore is not this big evil adversary religion wants him to be. I suppose you already knew that. He's more some sort of a trickster entity. He's someone to strike a bargain with. In a world where you get screwed constantly, he might be a good ally because he knows how to facilitate things. So at midnight, I set out into the woods. There's an old crossroad I know, near an ancient burial ground. Mind you, it was All Hallows' Eve, no less. Halloween. Samain. I didn't carry a light, because that didn't seem appropriate. But I know these woods quite well, so when I arrived, I burned some incense to appease the spirits of this place. I dug a little hole in the ground and spat in it. And then, before I poured the libations in it, I stood upright and called out to the four corners. Well, I didn't call exactly. It was more of a loud whisper. I invited him to come. To come and to appear before me so that I knew it was him, to come and to support me in my endeavors. Well, to help me get rich, get famous and get laid, to put it bluntly. What else would you call the devil for? I promised him sacrifices. Not my soul, of course, that's nonsense. Instead, I poured water from two holy wells in the hole in the ground. Again, I asked that he may appear. And I had a distinct feeling that the trees were intently listening. And I poured my third sacrifice. Sweet wine I had been given by a man who had killed several times in his life. Then I clapped my hands three times and I waited silently. I couldn't face one direction for longer than half a minute. I always had the urge to look over my shoulder. 
It was this sense of being stared at, you know. One time I thought I saw a light shivering above one of the burial mounds, but it was an illusion more likely. The night was quiet. No sounds came out of the woods. I was very alert and waited for the feeling of a secondary presence. He didn't show himself this night. After some time I just knew that I had to come to this place again, night after night, until he'd turn up. That's when I left without looking back. And I went there the next night. And the next. No matter how tired I was. Every time it felt more familiar. Every time the spirits took more notice of me. Every time I felt more welcome at the crossroads. Every time I clapped my hands three times and I poured him sweet wine. Every time I had this glimpse of a flickering light. Every time my courage grew, so the third night I called to him in my mother's tongue. But he didn't appear, and I had to leave without looking back. It was the fourth night. Immediately before, I had met two young women, and each one of them causes my heart to miss a beat, so I was in an elevated mood. I entered the woods and was greeted like an old friend. I didn't care if I had to come back here again and again, I was completely at ease. This time I called for real, confidently and with joy. I poured the sweet wine in the hole in the ground as a gift, not a sacrifice. And then I felt it. His presence. I just knew that the bargain had been struck. Somehow it felt like he'd been always at my side. But you know, I still wanted to see him. I wanted some sort of proof. So in leaving this place, I asked him again to show himself. A few moments after that, I took a step to the left to avoid a big tree. In doing so, I touched its spark and looked at it. Believe me or not, there was his face, grinning down on me from the tree. Do you want something else from me? I asked him, and he made me promise to tell this story. When I left the woods, it was a very bright night with a full moon.
I haven't been back there since then. I didn't promise too much, did I? All right, now back to the interview. What's what's your plans, uh, Bernhard? Um, you um, you have worked and started very early with that, as we learned here today. So you have developed um, your school at a very young age already, um, and uh, one could imagine that uh, now, well, you are you are still so very young, so you have so much time ahead of yourself. Um, Where do you think that will lead you? What will change? Uh, what would also maybe be your 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 desire or your of a way that you would like to go with your magic and with your teaching and your improvement, your personal improvement? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it took me several years to build my magic school, and uh, it was very. Uh, challenging to uh, put all I've learned in in uh, three decades and, and uh, into course modules that uh, uh, easily to digest and and uh, can be adapted into your own life. So that was mm -hmm. that was a huge task, and um, it's not long ago I finished it. So. Uh, that uh, is like a, a, a huge burden of my shoulders now. Uh, I think, uh, okay, now I can start. <laughs> I, I, um, I gave it to the public and uh, now I can delve deeper into uh, special topics that interest me. Um, And these are, of course, uh, magical storytelling. So I'm sure uh, there will be a lot of writing in, in the future. Um, I'm not sure which format it will take yet. Um, and I'm sure uh, working with Pan will be a, a huge, will play a huge part. Uh, I'm thinking of developing a course um, for uh, this specific work with, with Pan. And my vision is to have uh, the magic school as a physical building. So uh, now I've just laid the groundwork over the last few years. And my My vision is is like having this school like uh, Professor Xavier in uh, the X-Men does uh, for um, mm -hmm. people to come there and get educated and uh, uh, to remember their own abilities they have. Because it's, it, 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 in my opinion, it's nothing we have to learn. It's something we have to remember. It's it's in us. And uh I welcome other teachers to to do this as well. So this is my uh, maybe very grandiose or crazy vision, but to really have this school in our physical reality uh, where uh, where can um, get yourself uh, this. Uh, the, the the contact with with your abilities 
and um yeah uh telling people that it's absolutely normal that we are magical beings the world is magical we we are magical uh, beings it's our birthright to co-create reality with everybody around us uh, with humans and the non-human world to uh not force them to bow to my will or something like that but to say hey uh nice to be here with you i've got an idea uh wouldn't it be nice to do it this kind of way or, or what's your take on that uh tell me something so to to get in a conversation with each other with the world with uh with spirits with gods goddesses with our ancestors and uh i want to normalize this uh way of being in the world to so so that uh it's it becomes mainstream in a sort of way and i know that's uh maybe blasphemic mm -hmm. because the magic and the occult uh always is apart from the mainstream but I'm sure it's so big that if a little bit of it becomes mainstream, there is always a much bigger part that will always be occult, occultus, you know, uh, uh, hidden. Yes. So uh, you, you can't and reveal. And there we are again with the, in the relation in the relation between arts and magic, because that's exactly the same question also with the arts world. Yeah, that, yeah. You, yeah. You can yeah. put out yeah. so much yeah. art and you will never run out of new songs, new books, new movies to make. That's exactly yeah, it's the same with magic. Absolutely. There there will yeah. always yeah. be new fields to explore, new worlds to encounter, new um new rituals to develop and so on. So, um, new stories to tell. <laughs> I think we are, we, we are homo narans. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Yes. The, 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 the talk, well, the story relating. I like the, 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 the expression not to tell stories, but to, to relate stories. As yeah. Yeah. That's say. beautiful. And because you kind of link things with yeah, that. Yeah. And, we, and we're in yeah. relationship with, with, these beings, they are, they are, they made us in a certain way. We are the stories we told ourselves and the world, as we talked about mm -hmm. is, um, what we are telling about it. So, uh, we are constantly in relationship with stories. Gods are stories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, rituals yeah, are definitely. stories. We, tell the world by enacting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with those great final words, <laughs> thank you, Bernhard. <laughs> um, we come to the end of this talk and it was lovely to have you and fascinating to talk to you. Thank you so much. Um, do you have any great final word for our audience that you would like to give them along the way? <sighs> I'm, I'm surprised we are at the end already, <laughs> as it's always the... Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good, good sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's... I think a sign of a good story that you are surprised that it's already over. And maybe that's 
an interesting thought to go home with. Like, when will you know your story will be over and what will be the wisdom you take with you? You know, uh, how will the story you have lived here has contributed to the world and how will your story be retold? Nothing to add to that. Thank you, Bernard, and good luck for your project. Thank you so much. It has been an honor to be here. Looking forward to see each other again in person.
Chrome by the Austrian band Orgrave. And this was given to us by them, by the band, and by their lead singer, by Alex, who is a fervent listener of our show and who lives in Vienna. And it was great to be in touch with him, and I hope to meet him in person soon to have a chat and a coffee, of course, here in Vienna. And let's see where that brings us. Thanks, Alex, once again. And thanks very much to Bernhard, Bernhard Reicher from Graz, from the south of Austria for his really great input into story magic, into his personal life and his quite fascinating story as a youngster and later further development. We wish him best of luck for his magical school and for his dreams that he explained to us what he would like to create in the future. He, I'm sure he will go far. He is still really young and can do a lot of work still to come. Right, well, that brings us to the end of the show this week. Uh, it was lovely to have you with me here. Thank you for listening and I hope you will return next week for a new show. And yes, I know, I still have to tell you what will be next week's show. Here we go. So next week we are going to meet with Samuel David. Samuel David has recently published with Anathema Publishing a book called Rod and Ring. And this is an initiation into a Mesopotamian mystery tradition. In Mesopotamian art, you know, the rod and the ring were like the horned helm or a crown indicator of a depicted being's divine status. And um, from that, um, Samuel has developed a, a real initiation, yes, it's the right word, he uses it in the title, into that Mesopotamian tradition. Fascinating how those ancient religions seem to have a revival. We're going to talk about that, why this is, what it means. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating talk and have a look at the book Rod and Ring because it's a beautiful book in two different editions, standard and uh, collector's edition, both limited editions, so if you're interested, hurry up. All the links will, of course, next week be on the show notes. Right, that'll be next week. Uh, meet you again there, I hope. Um, for today, I thank you once again for listening, for being with us here today, and now I say, take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.